The ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. So um, Tim is uh, really, really interesting when he um, contacted us about the show, being on the show. Um, I immediately said yes, because he has such a unique way of telling his story. And we'll get to that in a second. But um, Tim is a, um, a former um, police officer, and he's now off duty. So this allows him to take his inspirational message, award-winning music and talent to the people. So he is a sought after entertainer and speaker with a powerful life-changing message. You're going to get some of that today. So Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Captain. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Will you give us a a little bit of a, just a summary of your, your um, police service background? Absolutely. So I'm from uh, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, uh, northwest Minnesota, straight east of Fargo, North Dakota, about an hour, and uh, lived here about 30 years. And since kindergarten, I knew I wanted to be a police officer, and I got my opportunity. I worked three years in corrections in Moorhead, Minnesota, and then I started working here in Detroit Lakes, uh, July 1st, 1992, and uh, loved it. Great career. It's a smaller community, but that meant we were able to get involved in, in every aspect of, of uh, an incident, what, from the you know, initial response to investigating and the cleanup and everything else. And so I really like that aspect of it. And uh, we're a tourist community, so our town goes from about 9,000 people to we at least doubled in the summertime. And uh, great community, and uh, I did everything in the department. I was a, you know, patrolman and canine handler, uh, sergeant, investigator, um, canine handler, and uh, chief of police. I was chief for five and a half years, and I retired in 2016 at the ripe old age of 50. And I shifted gears, and uh, I didn't really retire. I just I call it shifting gears, and. Now I travel the country uh, talking to whoever needs a little boost in the attitude and call it finding your beat the rhythm of life. I use music and stories to to share the message. Well, that's so, I mean, I'm always interested in people's transitions from, you know, especially public service or military to what they do in the civilian world afterwards, right? And um, wow, what a, what a, <laughs> You didn't go into like security or you know, like the typical stuff that, that ex-law enforcement guys do. Yeah. Um, you went into music and entertainment and, and, you know, kind of like inspirational, um, you know, public speaking. Um, so how the heck do you make that kind of transition from law enforcement, you know, which we feel like, a, you know, it's a very serious career, very, you know, like, yeah black and white to just kind of this really creative outlet for you. Right. And that's, that's a big reason why I got into music in the first place was because of that black and white, very serious career. 
And, you know, we, I think we're getting better as a culture of uh, talking about mental wellness and, and well-being and everything. And uh, where when I started in law enforcement, there was still a lot of, you know, just suck it up, buttercup. And, you know, it's what you signed on for. And so I've always loved music. Music has been a part of my life forever. And uh, while I was a police officer, um, we hired a one-man band for a block party that we had. And and every song he was singing, and I was like, well, wait a minute, I know that song. And and so I started doing music while I was working for the police department. Uh, but I was working nights and weekends, so I didn't have a lot of opportunities to entertain. And, uh, and then when I got a, a day shift of investigating, then that opened up like nights and weekends. And so I started dipping my toe into the water a little bit more and, and just playing music and I loved it. And uh, um, what I found was, you know, some people thought, well, isn't that kind of a, a conflict of interest? You know, if you're playing at a bar or something and there's people drinking or whatever going on. But what I found was, is that it really broke down a lot of the barriers. Like even if people didn't like cops, if they hated cops, they would, they might like my guitar, you know, it's, or they might say, you know, I actually had people say that to me, you know, where they'd shake my hand and give me that death grip and they'll say, you know, I hate cops and, but damn, that was a good song you just played, you know, and, and, uh, and so the music was a, it, it was an equalizer and it's still an equalizer. It levels the playing field. It shows the human side of us all that, uh, you know, that even if we don't like a genre of music, there's something about rhythm and harmony and that that unites us all. And and so while I was chief of police, right before I was going to retire, about six months uh, prior to my retirement, uh, a fellow chief called me up and he's in the metro area of, of Minneapolis, St. Paul, kind of a Twin Cities area. And he said, would you come and share your leadership journey with my leadership team? And I thought, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, I had a, a unique career and, and it was a great career. I loved it. And uh, so I brought my guitar down there and they had just been involved in an officer involved shooting and I wasn't aware of that. And so the room was tense and it was the command staff from this uh, pretty large agency. And so about 20 men and women in the room and I brought my guitar down there and I started you know, singing some songs and sharing some stories and we laughed and we cried and we rode that roller coaster of emotions. And uh, we talked about our attitudes and how we can show up. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about mental health and suicide and, and we literally covered all the bases. And I got in the parking lot and I was shaking. I called my wife and I said, I have just found the next thing in my, my life, in my career. And and I knew I was going to retire out of law enforcement. I knew that I had a great career. I wanted to go out like Michael Jordan, had a wonderful staff. Uh, just, I mean, it was, it was awesome, but I wanted to leave that way. And I could feel it starting to suck the life out of me. And I'd always told people that if you don't like the path you're on, change your path. And that's really easy to say, but it's a lot harder to do. And I had so many people say, well, yeah, but well, you can play guitar. I can't play guitar. It's like, well, it has nothing to do with it. I mean, it, we all have something we can do. And uh, so that's where that transitioned. And so I began speaking to organizations and I incorporate music into the, the presentations to make it more memorable. And again, to, to level the playing field so we're all like on the same page. And then uh, 
you know, some of my, my speaking engagements, if they have a networking event, I'll do like two hours of, of just fun stuff, you know, uh, let our hair down and, and, um, and then do the keynote opening or closing keynote also. And it's been just a wonderful ride traveling around the country, getting able to share that message in the music with people. It's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love how you just kind of accidentally found your calling and yeah. kind of fell right into it. And it was a perfect match. And <clears throat> I mean, what an opportunity to kind of speak from your experiences, your long, you know, career as a leader in law enforcement, but also do it creatively, you know, instead of just like some dry speech, like about leadership and good leadership and what it takes to be a good leader. You know, it's like you, right. you have this creative connection and, um, you know, that the brain loves, um, you know, just interesting things, unique things, experiences, and how unique is that when, you know, you just expect to just hear some guy who was a former law enforcement come up, okay, another speech about leadership, here we go, you know, and then he comes up with a guitar, you know, and you're yeah. getting out of your seat and you're singing and, yeah. you know, and you're experiencing, you're emoting and, you know, you're, yeah. you're, so you're having this, yeah, you're learning those lessons from you and your, your vast experience, but in a, in a way the brain is going to like really recall and make that connection. And I use that in my therapy sessions as well. There's a technique that I'm trained on that uses that kind of experience. We do some really weird, silly stuff and, but we do it not because there's really any rhyme or reason to doing it. It's just because it creates this imprint in your mind that, you know, it's tapping into this other side of your brain mm -hmm. of creativity and expression and emotion and, and so you're not just doing the dry logical stuff, right? You're, you're pulling together and making that connection with the creative. And, you know, he just reminded me of, and I like started laughing when I thought of it, my favorite chaplain in the army. Um, and we worked together and we went through some hard, hard things, hard events. And um, I, he just recently retired and uh, I was talking to him and he he became a um, a Frank Sinatra impersonator, oh, and nice. he he goes out into these bars and restaurants, and he does his singing, and yeah. he dresses up like Frank Sinatra, and he sings all the hits. And I'm I thought of him when you were talking about your transition, like talk about this guy, like he was a former yeah. Marine, he has like thirty years of you know army experience, he's just been and seen through you know a lot, and he's he's just has all this vast knowledge. And like, this is his outlet. Like, this is right. how, you know, his calling. So it was, it was really, really funny to, to learn that about him. And I had no idea that he was a singer. So, yeah. yeah. I love how you use the word calling because uh, you've, you've used that a couple of times. And that's, to me, that's exactly what it is. Law enforcement to me was a calling. And, you know, and so many people struggle with, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And even like grown adults are struggling some days, like with, yeah, I have no idea what I want to do. And I've been blessed with two callings. You know, I knew in kindergarten, I was going to be a cop. So that was like, no question. I went through all the steps to be a police officer. And then right before I retired, I found this and, uh, and they're both been very fulfilling, you know, careers. And uh, what I like about this is that I can say no, or I can say yes, you know, and and I have that full control over the business and where it's going to go. And, and uh, you know, if I want to stick around 
Minnesota or if I want to go to Long Beach, California in March. It's like, well, yeah, sign me up. And and uh, so it's it's all about sharing that message and that that whole idea about uh, about a calling. And I just uh, I love it. I mean, it's a dream come true. And that's the thing. It's like we all have gifts and and each one of us has a story that other people would benefit from hearing. But not everybody is comfortable with starting a podcast or being a guest on a podcast or standing in front of a thousand strangers saying, you know, I've made mistakes and I'm vulnerable and this is, let's talk about it. And, uh, you know, and, and we open ourselves up and, and not everybody's comfortable doing that, but each one of us has, has an opportunity to, to make an impact on somebody else and, and uh, through our gifts that we've been given. And, so it's just, it's really cool to have a gift of music and, and a gift of gab and uh, just to be able to be comfortable in front of strangers and, and just lay it out there. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me um, about, uh, you know, what would you say is, and you probably have many of them, so you'll probably have to choose from, from a few. Um, <laughs> what would you say would be kind of the most, maybe kind of profound transformation or life-changing kind of thing that, that you've seen happen at one of your speaking engagements? Um, when I, when I do my presentations, like I said, we ride that roller coaster. And, uh, one of the stories that I, I talk about is, uh, within the first year of me becoming chief of police, one of my best friends and partners of 19 years died by suicide and it rocked my world. And, uh, completely, was a uh, gut check on like, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And, and uh, so when I share that story and how we got through it and the whole theme behind that is that networking piece that we're not designed to do this gig of life alone, that when stuff is, uh, we need to stand by each other. And so I think what happens with that, a lot of people, um, it resonates with people because maybe they know somebody that's struggling. Maybe they know somebody that's died by suicide um, or something. So I get a lot of that after, after a presentation. A lot of times I'll have a line of people and they'll come up and uh, I also share a story about my dad who was very influential in my life. And um, I share a little audio clip of him singing happy birthday to me. And that's emotional to me and, and them. And uh, so when I, when I, reach in there deep into people and I, I I'm sharing these stories they're my stories but it has zero to do with me my goal as as a speaker is to have them take my stories and internalize them and and then plug them into their life you know and so a lot of times people will come up afterwards and they'll talk about a loved one they had that died by suicide or maybe they had thoughts at one time um or you know, your dad reminded me of my dad or my uncle or whatever. And uh, so the stories I'm telling are, are powerful, they're emotional, some are funny. And that's the same, you know, another way to use emotion with that humor. And, uh, and so almost inevitably, after every presentation, people come up, and they just start dumping. And I love that. I mean, I, I love it. But I, you know, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's, a good uh, reminder to me to keep myself in check too, that, yeah, I want to absorb all that and I want to be empathetic. But then when I'm done, like when I'm wrapping up my final cable and leaving, 
I go back to my hotel room and I just, I crash. And, uh, but I love that. I love the fact that people can approach a complete stranger and just start sharing some really deep parts of their life. And, and that happened pretty regularly. And it's, uh, it's profound every single time. And I'm humbled that I'm, I'm there and I'm humbled that the opportunity uh, presents itself and that they feel comfortable talking to me. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we, we see that in like psychology, it's like the mirroring emotive, right. You know, so you stand up there and you're being very vulnerable, you know, and you're telling these really, you know, kind of uh, very poignant, you know, emotional stories, you know, Mm -hmm. good and sad and, you know, and, and they probably, you know, have, the people in the audience, you know, don't really have somebody in their life who they can be vulnerable with. And then you stand up in front of them and you're just like an open book. And then we want to emote, you know, we want to mirror, you know, that and match that because you feel so comfortable then I feel comfortable. Right. Right. So then people flock towards you and it's like, I don't know you, but (laughs) you know, I feel like I know you now because you just stood up in front of me and told all these vulnerable stories. And now I want to, you know, match that so yeah that's that's tough because <laughs> you know what we do it's like um that's a lot you know and you hope that the the ins the inspiration would be for them to maybe connect with somebody you know maybe in that event or in their lives who who can be that safe person where they can kind of match and and share and and be supportive and walk through these hard things together right um so that's the lesson you're teaching them um so tell us, uh, tell us a story that you typically tell maybe in your, um, in your presentations that you feel kind of resonates with, with everybody. And then of course, um, you know, with the caveat of, I'm going to include Tim's contact information. So you can go ahead and emote <laughs> right <laughs> back at him right, <laughs> and contact him and dump all that on him later. Heck yeah. Dump away. Yeah. That's, uh, better yet. I'll, I'll fly to your city and I'll, I'll dump on you first. Yeah. All my stories and, and then, <laughs> yeah, then I want to hear him right back at you. Introducing the new fire team, whiskey, fitness, and nutrition app. Everything you need to get fit and lose weight right at your fingertips. Choose from hundreds of fitness videos and fitness plans. Search for workouts by fitness level, equipment available, or body part focus. Choose from several nutrition plans and customize your macros. Your entire fitness, nutrition, and wellness plan all scheduled on your calendar. Text a trainer anytime for tips, tricks, and motivation. Achieve your fitness and health goals with the Fireteam Whiskey app. Go to www.fireteamwhiskey.com to get two weeks of results for free. But uh, so typically when I when I start my presentation, I start out with uh, with that story of, you know, we start a career or a relationship and we're all like all in and we're so excited. And when I wanted to become a cop, I knew that was what I wanted to do. And so I was super excited. But anyway, for the first six and a half years, I worked nights and weekends and my weekends were Mondays and Tuesdays. And uh, so it was awesome. The The work was great. Everything I thought being a cop was supposed to be and more. And um, But I started to change, you know, where it seemed like everything or everybody I was dealing with on that night shift 
they were either going to run away from me and I'd have to chase them down, or they were going to lie to my face, or they were going to square up and try to fight me. And so my world started to divide up into us, like the cops I was working with on my night shift, and them. And I know the military sees that, us versus you get sometimes yeah. you know that if if you're uh, if you're on the front lines, then you're thinking, well, my sergeant is clueless. He forgot, or the captain for sure. They're so far removed. They've forgotten what it's like to be, you know, on the front lines, or you know, or we're Marines. You don't know what it's like to be a Marine. You know, you're just U.S. Army. You don't have a clue. And but but we get that us versus them in civilian life, where you know we think that. The world is maybe against us. And, and I was a pro at that us versus them. It seemed like that was it, you know, and, and I, I, that's not the me that the Tim Egebrotten that grew up and, and my parents taught us to be caring and thoughtful and conscientious. And, but I was changing and pretty early on in my career, my dispatcher got on the radio and gave me a call and his voice matched my attitude because we feed off of each other. And he said, go to the Holiday Inn. There's a guy there. Figure out what he needs and move him along. And I'm like, 10-4. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't having it. I'm a busy cop, you know, in the, in the mean streets of Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And, but I got there, and there was a, a man standing in the lobby. And, and it's, it was like a 9-11 moment for me. Like most of us that were old enough to remember 9-11, we, we can remember where we were, how we were standing, who we were with. And, and when I walked into the Holiday Inn that night, that was like a 9-11 moment for me. And I mean, I can see him. I, when I even talk about him, I can see this man standing there. He's skinny and in his mid-60s. I can see his gray hair and his brown eyes. And I can see his little brown dress shoes, a white plastic Walmart bag that probably contained all of his life's possessions. And so I asked him his name and he told me his name was Norman. And it didn't take very long in my conversation with Norman to recognize he was a little confused. He was going on his way to Detroit, Michigan because Norman had an idea that was gonna change the way Detroit makes cars. And on the way to Detroit, Michigan from Minneapolis, Norman saw a sign that said Detroit Lakes. He thought, dang, that didn't take long. So we got off the bus about 900 miles short of Detroit, Michigan. And uh, the bus dropped him off at Walmart. He lost his jacket right away in the men's room and a good Samaritan saw he needed help. So they gave him a ride to the Holiday Inn. Norman told the night clerk he had no money, had no clue where he was. So the night clerk called the cops and I was the one that responded. And I had already started to develop that crust that we can wrap around ourselves that insulates us from being emotionally attached or getting our feelings hurt and and I was a pro crust builder and Norman just by being himself this kind and gentle man had started to chip away at my crust and uh, so I said well how can I help I mean Detroit Lakes is not a large community we don't have a lot of services uh, but I said how about if I get you a hotel room for the night and in the morning, get cleaned up, fresh perspective, figure out where you're going to go. And Norman thought that'd be great. So I grabbed his Walmart bag and I brought him up to the office, gathered my paperwork and took him to another hotel and I filled out the paperwork there. And I was leaving and Norman said, wait a minute, 
And I stopped and I looked at him and he looked at me with these beautiful brown eyes. Just something about his eyes were amazing. And he looked at me and it seemed like we were locked in each other's gaze for a long time, but I know it was just a few seconds. And it seemed like he was looking into my soul. And he just said to me, I want to remember the people who have helped me. And I had, I didn't know what to say or how to respond. So I just kind of turned away and shuffled out to my police car and, and I started to cry in my car and, and Tim Agerbratton at that stage of life did not cry. I wasn't against it. I certainly don't think it's a sign of weakness. I just didn't cry. Now at, at this stage of life, I cry at Disney movies. And, uh, but then I just didn't cry. And there I was sobbing. And I remember thinking to myself, who have I become? Because that was not the Tim Agerbratton that Kenny and Pat Agerbratton had raised to be caring and thoughtful and conscientious. And somewhere early on in my career, I had lost sight of my purpose and my focus. And then Norman came into my life by the shirt, shook me up and said, wake up, focus. What's your purpose? So I think about Norman a lot. And I think about all the Normans and the Normas that are put into our lives. And uh, I think of the Captain Lincolns that are put into our lives and, and, you know, and you can call it fate or karma or the stars. Uh, it's my belief that God put Norman into my life. And cause I was floundering and Norman just by being himself made a difference. And so I remind people that each and every one of us has an opportunity to be a Norman or a Norma for somebody else to be that person to make other people think, you know what, something about that person makes me want to alter my attitude here. My attitude's been in the toilet lately and I, I need to do something. And um, so we each have an opportunity to do that. And we can see the Normans and the Normas around us. They're everywhere. These beautiful people that are, whatever it is they're doing, uh, they're doing right. They're doing a good job. And uh, we just need to slow down sometimes and focus and remember to see these Normans and these Normas and uh, these people that are out there making a difference and it might be something really minor or little that may seem little, but it can have a ripple effect uh, all around. So, so that's what I like to start out with and just to remind people that um, each and every one of us has that opportunity, you know, whether it's a smile, hold the door open for somebody or not, maybe it's as simple as not wigging out in traffic and swearing and flipping people off because they cut you off or something, but just recognizing that we're all in the same race together. Wow. That's a great story. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And especially it definitely resonates, you know, in times like these, <laughs> right? right? It's like we, we've come, you know, we've become such a us versus them society Wow. And we're so tribalistic at this point. And, and, you know, it's really just about getting back to that basic understanding that us, you know, we're all human beings and we're all, you know, needing to be seen sometimes. And that's really all that we want is to, to be seen and to be right. just validated. Like, yeah, you're a human being. You, you, you know, I'm looking at you in the eyes Mm -hmm. and I'm learning your name, you know, Norman. 
Right. Like, and how, you know, what's the, when's the last time anybody asked Norman's name? Right. Right. It's probably been a really long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that you just took that time to connect with him on a human level, human to human, rather than cop versus, you know, potential perp here, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, that you were able to kind of erode, then take that wall down. And it made such a difference with your interaction with him. Yeah. And I get it. Like I've, I've done my presentation for large metropolitan agencies and people that work in different lines of work or whatever. And they say, well, we're too busy. You know, it would be nice for us to have a Norman. And my response is you, there are Normans still in your life. I mean, there's Normans and Normas, these people, and, you know, I, and they're coming from that us versus them, that the us is the Metro cops and you're a small town cop, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and, and so that, but it's like, well, I get that, you know, but the point is, is that you're going to encounter somebody, I don't care who you are, you know, if you're living in the penthouse apartment at, in, you know, on Wall Street, or, you know, whatever, or if you're living in a box under the A Street Bridge, uh, you're still going to encounter people that have an, that, will impact your life if you recognize them for for who they are that uh you know regardless if you're like oh i'm too busy or i'm whatever uh that's a bunch of crap because there's these people out there that uh and we can be that person you know just by chilling our own attitude down and recognizing that uh that maybe the person that's rushing to get in front of you in line at the grocery store you know, maybe who knows what they've got going on at home, you know, and uh, who cares? I mean, take the extra two minutes and let them go. I mean, if that's that big of a deal for them, let them have it. And maybe just by you doing that and not make, creating a scene over it, maybe that's going to impact their day going forward. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and it comes down to kind of giving the benefit of the doubt, right? We, we tend to assume all the negative circumstances, you know, and, and the fact is we don't know, we have no idea what that person's been through, what they're going through. And, you know, God forbid, like we ask for the same thing from people around us when we're going through it, right? When we're, when we're having a hard time, when we're being, you know, impatient or irritated and, you know, or struggling, you know, we want, the benefit of the doubt from the people around us and that understanding. So if we, you know, the, if we were, we're willing to want it, then we need to be willing to give it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We tend to get really egocentric that it's about us Mm -hmm. and that everybody else should know what our needs and wants are (laughs) and heck with them, you know, but so another thing that I talk about in my presentations, I give four like tactics that I've used and through my life and they've been modeled for me. Um, like making positive habit, uh, doing a gratitude letter to somebody um, that has inspired you. And and that's really a popular one where I challenge them to uh, maybe think of six people in their lives who have inspired them and write a, a letter, an old school pen and paper letter and um, to what, like a letter a week to these six people for six weeks. And um and then to filter the negative around you. And then the fourth one is to create a gratitude list. And and none of those tactics I, I have invented. I haven't invented any of them, uh, but they've been modeled for me through the years. And then now in the last six years, I began doing like the research and studying why they work and how they work and the actual 
physical effects that, um, you know, some of these, like the letter writing process and gratitude, they're correlating, the, the experts that are studying this are correlating the effects um, of these exercises to the effects of Prozac, you know, on our own well-being. If we, if we, if we sit down and take the time to write somebody a letter saying, you know what, you inspire me and I just want to let you know that the, the chemicals that are released on our own bodies as the letter writer are powerful. And then the, the person receiving these letters, uh, the effects are, are equal. I mean, it's just, it's a powerful exercise, simple. It's not always easy to, to do these kind of things that, uh, well, when do I have time to do that? I don't know. When do you have time to do that? You know, and to thank somebody, you know, you probably have time. And, uh, um, I've had people after a presentation, they'll call me or send me a letter and they'll say, hey, just want to let you know I wrote a letter to my mother who died 10 years ago. And obviously she'll never get the letter, but wow, what a powerful exercise, you know, writing a letter to your deceased mother. And it's like, man, and I don't make this. Um, so if there's a person listening to your podcast and they're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, that's really nice, but uh you know, I, I don't have time for this or whatever. But if you're honestly evaluating and you're and there's something resonating with you, thinking that, you know, my attitude has kind of stunk lately. Maybe I could do something about it. Well, there are tactics that you can do. And if you're in a deep, dark depression, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, just filter the negative and it's going to be all sunshine and lollipops because it won't. But but if if you're relatively normal, like, you know, or not even the word normal, but if you're, if you're relatively stable, uh, and you have a, you're in the funk, like a lot of us are a lot of times, uh, these techniques do help. And, uh, so it's, it's just a matter of finding the help where it's available and getting the help and recognizing that you might be in a point where you're stuck and you might need some help. Yeah. And, and we can all improve, right? So you don't have to, it doesn't have to be so threatening, right? <laughs> to, right? You know, that's when, when I come up against walls when working with people, it's like, okay, well, you know, all right. So maybe the, the full effort isn't going to be, um, you know, realized here, but there, there's always room for improvement. We can all admit that, right? None of us are perfect. And there, there are definitely things in our life that we feel like if they could, I would say if I could snap my fingers right now, boom, and change one little thing about your daily life, what would it be? That would make a huge difference, like huge impact. Everybody has an answer to that, mm -hmm. right? So let's just work on that, right? And, and I love that you, you know, that this is so your, your lessons are just very applicable, you know, to anybody in any stage of life, you know, whether what, you know, in their twenties or in their seventies, mm -hmm. you know, you have these lessons can be learned by us all. So, um, your, your company is called off duty chief. Yep. So, um, off duty chief. So Tim can be hired to come to your organization, your event, and provide his inspirational message and bring his guitar and he can play some songs and share these really um, life inspiring messages that he has from his experience 
um, in life and, and as a law enforcement officer. So Tim, um, is there anything additional or is that, is, is that, you know, kind of your, your package there? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I go everywhere, anywhere, have guitar, will travel. And, uh, uh, it's the, the mission is critical and people, wherever we're at with COVID, if it's considered post COVID or wherever we're at with it, uh, people are fried all around the country. And, uh, so if your organization is, you know, your members are tired, they're wondering, what did I sign up for this in the first place for, uh, whether it's nursing or teaching or law enforcement or accountants that work in the back of the room and there are the custodians that are like, does anybody even know I'm here? Um, I love, I would love to work with you. I've worked with, uh, windmill farm managers and, <laughs> and, uh, and large corporations. I mean, it's like all over the board. So, yeah. uh, and the, the common theme is that it's involving people and people right now are scratching their head wondering, well, I think I need some help here. And, uh, um, and it's a nice little boost in the arm to make sure that we're getting more, uh, more time to take care of ourselves. And that in turn, you know, results in an employee that's more attentive and uh and feels better about being there and and uh it's just it's been an amazing ride love to come to your organization and share my story and some music yeah absolutely and the you know the leaders of organizations out there you know this is so beneficial to provide to your employees Mm -hmm. um and it it, if when you're giving them opportunities to kind of better themselves they're going to be better employees i mean that is the bottom line so it's definitely worth the investment, you know, 10 times over to, to hire somebody like Tim to come in and, and share his gift and his calling with your organization. So I'm so glad I met you, Tim. I, I love your stories. I love your approach. I love your calling in this world and your, the way you're making a difference in people's lives. Thank you for what you do. Yeah. I'm right back at you, Captain Lincoln. I mean, what you're doing with this podcast, with bringing the whole thing around with physical health, uh, with the diet and exercise, uh, the mental health and, and everything in between. And it's just, uh, so you're making a difference, keep it up and, uh, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. So all of Tim's links to all his social media and his website will be in the show notes. So you can check him out, but the main website is Tim, no, offdutychief.com, www.offdutychief.com. So, and if, in case you don't know how to spell chief, yeah. <laughs> I before E except after C. Right? Yep. Once in a while, I'll get an off-duty chef. Chef, <laughs> that's you. It's not going to be off-duty chef. You should buy that <laughs> HTML just in case. Yeah, not a bad idea. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Take care. Hey guys, thanks so much again for joining us on another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, all that good stuff on your favorite podcast platform or and on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and leave us a review while you're there. And if you screenshot your review, email it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com 
with your name and address, you'll be entered into our drawing for a prize for just leaving us a review. So let us know what we're doing great, what you'd like to hear more about, and please go ahead and just give us a follow and give us a honest review, especially on iTunes, because that helps us reach other military members, veterans, and first responders with this vitally important information about how to improve their health, fitness, and wellness. We will see you at the next episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your podcast host, former Army Captain Stephanie Lincoln, founder of Fire Team Whiskey.